Legally Blonde, Suits, My Cousin Vinny. All badass lawyers, all different. Which begs the question, what type of lawyer do you want to be? Don't waste another second thinking, ugh, I don't even know what types of lawyers there are. Trust us, we've been there. Let's put a stop to that once and for all. Go take the 90-second quiz from new lawyer now what coach Angela Vorpal to give yourself a clear picture of the best fit type law for you. Go to www.whattypeoflawyerquiz.com and take the quiz today. Once you've taken the quiz, send us a DM on Instagram to let us know what type of lawyer you got. We can't wait to hear. Hi guys, and welcome back to Ladies Who Law School. I'm Sam. And I'm Haley. And this week we have a very special guest. He is a pro in elder law, which I know you guys might be thinking, why is elder law important? But guys, it's actually so important. It has a bunch of facets of law that you wouldn't really think of are involved in it. And it's a good episode, guys. Let's dive in with our guest, Mr. Solkoff. All right, guys, please help me welcome our guest, Scott Sokolf. Hi, Scott. How are you doing today? Hello, Haley and Samantha. Thanks for having me. Of course. Okay, Scott, so tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, I'm an elder law attorney. Um, that, that doesn't mean I'm an old lawyer. Um, <laughs> I'm middle-aged, but I, uh, I help older people with all of their legal problems and also people with disabilities. And I've started a organization uh, about eight years ago called Elder Law College, which is the largest national organization to train lawyers how to become elder law attorneys. Very cool. That's awesome. I can't wait to talk more about that. But first, tell us, where did you go to law school? I went to Nova Southeastern Law School in Fort Lauderdale, about uh, 20 minutes from the home where I grew up. So what made you decide to be an attorney, you know, and why did you choose the law school that you went to? Well, I was kind of born into this, uh, as, as many are. Uh, my father uh, was a lawyer, um, was one of the first elder law attorneys, in fact, one of the pioneers in the field. And uh, when I, I uh, was in, gosh, you're bringing me back, when I went to college at the University of Florida, I thought I was going to be an ophthalmologist. But uh, chemistry started at seven ten in the morning, and, uh, no and that pretty much did it for me. So yeah. I decided to become a lawyer. Nice. <laughs> of course, that's an oversimplification, but I always loved the law. And uh, when I did go to law school, I loved it even more. I, I, yeah. I thrived in, in law school. And uh, I wanted to be fighting the great constitutional battles of the day, helping people. But my first job out of law school, I ended up compromising my goals and just taking the highest paying job I could get. There was yeah. this competition at end of law school to you know, get the most prestigious position. Yeah. And, and, I, and I did that. I worked for a large law firm. I was paid what I thought at the time to be an ungodly amount of money. Really wasn't that much, but at the <laughs> time it was. Yeah. And uh, I did that for about a year and a half. 
and I noticed that the lawyers who were there were coming to work when it was dark out, leaving when it was dark out. Uh, these were lawyers that were a little older than me, most of them, and they had families, and I, I didn't want that. And I had one human being client the entire time I was with this firm. It wasn't about people. It was about securities litigation. Yeah. Uh, so meanwhile, my father was helping. All I knew was helping old people. And I went and I took my vacation in his office uh, for two weeks, and I was just enthralled. So that's how I got into the field. Wow. That's really exciting. So take us back to law school. And like you said, you wanted to, you know, potentially be a doctor of some sorts that didn't work out. So you end up in law school and you said that you loved it. So tell us about that experience. What were some of your biggest struggles and biggest accomplishments and things that you did while you were in law school? Wow. Um, I, there was, you know, just like anything else, I suppose you have some teachers that are just wonderful and they inspire you. And maybe Mm -hmm. it's a course that you would have hated if you had a different professor or a class that you would have loved if you had a different professor. And I'm I'm very conscious of that now in retrospect. Yeah. But um, yes, there were certain teachers who inspired me and I became very interested in civil procedure of all things, but I had a wonderful professor. Yeah. I became and very interested in constitutional law. I had a wonderful professor, and the cases were so interesting. Um, I loved it, and I did well. I, I worked hard. I did well. I made law review. I yeah. won the national moot court competition. I was involved. I was really involved, and I think that meant a lot to uh, my experience in law school. Yeah. I had fun. So would your tip for law students be to get involved, to have a very full, fulfilling experience? Absolutely. Um, I, I have to uh, share a personal issue with you now. My son just is a 1L at Suffolk in Boston. Mm. And, uh, and so, yes, I'm encouraging him to be as involved as possible. Yeah. And even if you're not the most social person in the world, to which I'm not, uh, or certainly wasn't in law school, to reach out and try and connect with your colleagues in Absolutely. law school. It helped me so much. Um, yeah, get involved, make have fun with it, and enjoy what law school has to offer. It's only three years, you know. Yeah, it is only three years. Sometimes we joke it feels like forever, right? But it'll be over in just a second. Yeah. So that's so interesting that it's your your son is now a third generation lawyer. That is really exciting. Do you know if? Yeah, working on it, right? We have faith in him. Um, where, you know, has he talked about potentially joining the family business? Well, right now he's interested in different kinds of law. Of so course, yes. Well, well that's great to hear that he's going with, like, an open mind. We yeah. always tell people, you know, go into law school with an open mind because you never know what you're going to like. You know, like, I went into law school thinking I was going to be a criminal lawyer, and, yep. like, that did not work out, you know? Absolutely. Yeah, I'm just interested. Do you? So he just finished his first semester of law school. He's yeah. has he started his second semester yet? Not yet. Has he gotten grades back? Yes, just got him back. Oh, well, and, uh, good, yay! Law school just decided that they're going to go virtual for the first two weeks of this next semester. So he's um, we we live in Florida. Uh-huh. His school in Boston. So his books are being sent down here as we speak. Yeah, that's, that's nice. awesome. Yeah, I'm sure he's. 
happy to be down in Florida oh, for yeah, this for sure. Boston winter for the first. We were online uh, virtually for the first two weeks as well. And so uh, I think a lot of law schools are doing that just because so many of us, you know, traveling and going everywhere, it just works out better that way. But it's definitely interesting to do a Zoom school of law. So, you know, very interested to see what your son says about that. But like you said, he might not want to join the family business. I mean, I'm sure that's what your uh, dad said about you as well, right? But let's talk about, you know, going into elder law and, you know, you said you wanted to work with people. You wanted to help people. I think so many of us go to law school for that reason. And that's, you know, I kind of laughed when you said, you're, you know, your son's in the process of discovering himself as a lawyer. So many of our listeners are discovering themselves as lawyers right now. And, you know, there's so many options out there. And that's why we wanted to bring you on today was to talk about elder law because it's a part of the law that we, doesn't get a lot of attention, but it is so important and we've seen so many people be hurt because they need an advocate like us who are willing to help people so tell us about it well I, you bring up one thing for me that if i can part any wisdom at all uh and this comes from uh not only my own experience but uh actually more so the all the lawyers who i've had the privilege of learning from and teaching in elder law college and that is most lawyers end up working in their first job, whatever specialty they fall into in their first job, that's where they find themselves 20 years later. And it's because, and that can be good and bad, mm-hmm. right, good or bad. That's because when you get your first job, you're learning. And, you know, you, we learn a lot in law school, but we don't learn, of course, how to be a lawyer, how to yeah. do it. So now you're learning how to do family law or criminal law or whatever it is your first job is. So your second job, if you have a second job, uh, you leave that firm or you leave that uh, uh, governmental entity, is also going to be in that area, most likely, because Mm -hmm. that's where you have experience and you are the most marketable. Whether you love it or not, you find yourself moving in that path. So at Elder Law College, what you see, and this is one thing that law students could look ahead towards. If, they, if I knew then what I know now, kind of. Right, thing. yeah. But the lawyers who come to Elder Law College are unhappy lawyers sometimes, mm, often. Yeah. They're lawyers who find themselves 10, 15, 20, sometimes 30 years into a practice area that they don't like and they're not feeling good about themselves. And they're, they're sad, they're depressed. Yeah. And what's worse is it's very hard to find a way out because mm-hmm. the longer you're in it, uh, how can you learn something new? Yeah. And you're dependent on this for your income. And now you have a family to support and yeah. everything. And it becomes so hard for them. So these are very brave lawyers who then say, this is not what I want in my life. I'm going to try to do something different. I need a path. And, uh, and for those who are interested in elder and disability law, that's what we do. So they are able to come and change their lives. And from my perspective as a human being, it's like the most rewarding thing in the world, right? (laughs) Because not only do I have a private practice of law where I help people, but these are lawyers who are just, i you know, it's incredible to see these people at the end of the program, uh, sometimes with crying and and just so happy that they have a new life ahead of themselves. So the reason I mention that in relation to your question is for a person in law school to really think about 
what it is you want to do with your life. And this law degree is so powerful, more powerful than you can imagine, because like you said, there's so many things that you can do. Try and look into your heart and figure out what that is. And even if you have to take a job that makes less money at the beginning, and I know it may sound easy to say for me right now Mm -hmm. uh, when you're looking at paying the bills, but even if you have to take a job that pays less in the beginning, know that you're very likely to be much, much happier as you progress in your career with that experience. We'll be right back. Hey guys, we want to take a moment to talk about something that has been a game changer for us busy lawyers, Audible. Yes, Audible has been our go-to platform for incredible audiobooks, offering an extensive library of thrillers, nonfiction, autobiographies, and mysteries. And guess what? We've got a special treat for you. Audible is offering a free trial to our listeners, and all you need to do is check the link in the show notes. It's the perfect opportunity to experience the magic of audiobooks without spending a dime. Speaking of thrillers, I know you're currently hooked on Never Lie by Frida McFadden. Samantha, can you tell us a little bit about it? Absolutely. The twists and turns in Never Lie have kept me on the edge of my seat during the workday and even when I'm on my daily walks. It's like having a suspenseful companion wherever I go. And for those looking for some financial wisdom, I have been engrossed in My Money, My Way by Kamuku Love. It's packed with practical advice on managing finances, perfect for anyone trying to navigate the complexities of money management. What we love most is the flexibility Audible offers. As lawyers, our schedules can be unpredictable, but with Audible, we can enjoy our favorite books on the go, whether we're stuck in traffic, hitting the gym, or waiting for a court hearing. So if you're ready to embark on a literary journey and discover the joys of audiobooks, click the link in the show notes to start your free trial with Audible. Trust us, you won't want to miss out on this fantastic offer. Love it. Yeah, I, mean, I love that advice. It's such good advice. And as I am looking for a job right now, I think about that pretty regularly about potentially getting stuck or feeling like I can't get out of it. But, you know, as someone who's ready to embark on, you know, the next part of learning to become a lawyer, it, you know, would you say that while maybe some people feel like they get stuck or they're in 30 years and they've been at the firm, you know, do you have younger lawyers that come in and like want to add elder law to their practice? That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and do you find that, are they in all kinds of areas of law? All different areas of law. Wow. That's really awesome. Yeah. I'll tell you this. I'm really interested in employment law, and I think of age discrimination cases, and I think of, you know, certain things, and, um, yeah, it's so fulfilling to help people, and I think that that is, you know, we said it already, but, you know, we came to law school to make a change and help people. So can you just share with us a story maybe about some of your work that you've done and something that was really impactful just to kind of paint a picture for our listeners of what doing elder law looks like? Yes, I can. And I, and I, by the way, I, I think employment discrimination law is a wonderful area uh, to go into just as an aside. 
had a great <laughs> professor for that, too. Okay, and, perfect. Uh, and, I, and I actually volunteered uh, for years to be on the uh, Equal Employment Opportunity Commission for our local community, yeah. which, you know, if you're interested in that area of law, it's a really great thing. Yeah. But anywho, yeah, so I'll, I'll give you an example of a, of a typical elder law client. Okay. Um, so, you know, it, in, in my field of elder law, while we, while we do help all aging people, people with aging issues, all of their legal problems, um, most elder law attorneys focus on access to care because as people get older, they're needing more care and care is so expensive. And because we don't have a national health care system that is integrated, um, lawyer, uh, pardon me, people have to figure it out for themselves. So for example, if I need a home health aid in my house, as I'm growing older and I need help bathing and with my other problems, yeah. uh, I'm paying 15 to $25 an hour. Medicare does not cover that at all. There's no help. Uh, there's, so the only way you can pay, well, there are three ways. One is with private long-term care insurance, which very few people have, and those that do often have problems with it, often doesn't pay when mm -hmm. they need it. Second is their own savings and income, which for most people is limited. Yeah, of course. And third is through need-based government benefits, benefits that are based on financial need because Medicare doesn't cover it. So then I have to look at Medicaid or sometimes other programs, but I have to be poor before I can qualify. Of course. Well, that would work except if I have to spend all of my money and that number in most states is $2,000 that I have to be below. So that means having to spend almost all of my savings. Then I apply for Medicaid. And if I get it, um, I have my care, some of my care paid for, but I have nothing left uh, to pay for everything else that I need. And yeah. that, so there's no way, right? Yeah. So this is the reason for the foundation of my field in the 1980s was if you're very rich, no problem. If you're very poor, you go right into the system. But for everybody else, the mass of Americans, it means total impoverishment, spending everything down to nothing, and then going on the system. So lawyers like my father, Jerome Ira Solkoff, and others, uh, about 10, 15 lawyers throughout the country, started conference calling each other yeah. and sharing information and uh, saying, what can we do to help people like this? And they studied the rules and laws, and they found opportunities, planning opportunities, to take countable assets and make them non-countable according to the government's rules and laws. Not to cheat the government or get something that you know, people don't deserve. They're not doing it for this reason. They're doing it to survive. Of course. So they come to elder law attorneys to save. So you have home care as an issue. You have assisted living if I need to move out of my home or nursing homes, which now the national average is $9,500 a month. You know, most people at Elder Law College, well, maybe not most, a high percentage had some family situation. And they saw it and they said, oh my God, you know, because if you don't know about it, it's it's hard to believe that people yeah. can be left out in the cold like this. That, that's what I was going to ask. Do you find that the lawyers at Elder Law College, they've kind of been, their eyes have been opened and they realize that it's such a part of law that needs help. And maybe you don't get affected 
Yeah, until, until certain something times. happens, right? Yeah. Like your parent is in the nursing home, and like That's then true. you notice, like, oh, yeah. yeah. And so there's this whole area of nursing home resident rights mm. in the law, federal and state. Wow. So when you go into these nursing homes and you see some of the things that bother you, I mean, wouldn't you like to fix that? And so that's yes. part of elder law. Uh, there's so many wonderful parts of it. And you're always on the right side, which is the other thing. So the answer to your question is some people go in because their eyes have been opened because of some familial situation, mm-hmm. or they, maybe even a spouse, um, and they want to do something about it. But then there are others, frankly, that just go into it for the money. You know, it's you can make yeah. good money doing this. Yeah. And so there are people that go into it because they, they see it as a lucrative practice area. In my opinion, in order to be really good at this, you got to have true empathy. Yeah. Uh, you can't fake it. So uh, uh, that can be very rewarding in every way because of those issues. You, people really need the help. So we help people to protect their assets, to qualify for help from the government when they need it, to pay for assisted living, home care, and nursing homes. We help people with estate planning, wills and trusts. Nice. We help people with their after-death administration of estates probate and trust administration. We help people with guardianships so that if people are incapacitated, uh, we help with that process as well. And we plan ahead for incapacity to try to avoid guardianship uh, yeah. through power of attorney, healthcare advance directives, trusts, and the like. So that's I, an example of what we do. I can give you an example of a client if you'd like, but you probably have other... No, yeah. I love like a hypothetical situation or something yeah. like that. I mean, this is all so interesting. Yeah, so and we want to provide as much information to our listeners as they're willing to listen. So please go ahead. Okay, good. Okay, I mean, I, as you can see, I hope I love what I do and I, and I am passionate about it. Yeah. And I hope that some of the listeners decide that this is a field for them. Yeah. Um, we need more good lawyers. And this is one of the newest practice areas. You know, 1980s sounds like a long time ago. It's not in the law. Mm-mm. It's not at all. It's no. one of the, the, the newest practice areas, and it is the fastest growing. So uh, take Sam and Dorothy as an example. Dorothy saved and saved and saved. She saw that jacket in the window in 1958 and didn't buy it so she could put that money aside for retirement. Sam's a hard worker. They had one car, so he would take it to work, and they'd come home. And you know, they didn't live the life of Riley. They 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 were careful with their money, paid their taxes, saved and saved and saved for retirement. And uh, and then uh, it came time to retire. And maybe 15 years after retirement, 10 years after retirement, Sam gets sick. Sam gets some type of dementia. Now, just as an aside here, I'll tell you that I am still blown away by the prevalence of dementia, Alzheimer's disease, and related dementias. When I first started practicing elder law, uh, that's the thing that struck me the most, how much, how pervasive that is. So Sam has some type of dementia, which is a long-term progressive illness. He's not getting any better. Dorothy has seen what has happened with other families, other of their friends, and she's scared. She's losing her husband slowly to this horrible disease. The kids live maybe not so close, and they're busy with their own lives. They care, but they're busy. Uh, and she's worried about the money on top of it all. Yeah. So now they come to you, and they, she, she's very upset. 
there may be tears. We have Kleenex in every conference room. Yeah. She's she's sad, and she's coming to this lawyer with a suit and a tie. I mean, this is scary stuff. They're not necessarily the most sophisticated. These aren't rich, rich people. Yeah. Most of my clients have uh, modest wealth, uh, maybe between $150,000 in assets and $2 million in assets would be the majority of my clients. And so she comes in, maybe with Sam, and maybe one of their children comes in too, or by Zoom, or this platform, <laughs> and we get to meet the whole family, which is unusual in the law too, right? Yeah. So, uh, and brings up all kinds of ethical issues. But regardless, we're meeting this whole group, and now the goal is to help Dorothy. And my goal, personally, is to make her feel better. I want her to feel better when she leaves than when she came. And that means giving her some sense of control over these really big problems, knowing that I can't help her with the big problem, but I can create other pots of money, and since money buys care, and because care brings quality of life, uh, all of a sudden, you see that relief. You know, you're that strong set of shoulders that Dorothy needed, yeah. and it's a huge, uh, huge change for most people when they come in. So then, there's the practical side of lawyering that case, yeah. and that means what do we need to do uh, to to protect them? And Sam needs help now, but she can't afford to pay for all the care without going broke, and she needs to live for the rest of her life. Sam needs care. So we look at the rules and laws and we figure out ways to move around the assets using trust agreements or other tools to allow them to qualify for Medicaid or VA benefits if Sam served in the military or if Dorothy served. And now we're able to get help for them, a whole other pot of money that uh, could be unlimited. So that's an example of a case. I, I love that. Yeah, I mean, that was it's, great. it's like a real life problem solver. Yeah, and I it mean, seems way more common than it's. Com I bet it's common. I mean, it's also it's just so fulfilling. Like I can just tell, like helping Dorothy and Sam in the situation, and you know, like you said, you don't get to see all the family or a family member or anything. Like it, it, it's very evident that you're helping these people better their lives and they're they're at their wits in i mean i can just i know how stressed i get about money like i can't even and imagine like if if you're going in to retire it definitely has gotten to the point where you know you need help yeah and you know what we want to see and we're seeing a lot more of now is awareness so that when people before they get sick Mm. Uh, they're getting older, and they're starting to become more aware. Well, maybe I should plan. Uh, now elder law attorneys are seeing people do more pre-planning, which is great. Nice. And you talk about moving assets and trusts. We just took Will's Trust and Estates last semester. And so, you know, my little ears were pricking up when you were talking about this stuff. And uh, it sounds like elder law deals a lot with estate planning. And oh, yeah. it just kind of goes hand in hand with that. And so that's the ability to move money around and maybe not have it in certain people's name to be able to allow people to get the care that they really need. Yes, it's exactly wow. right. And, and an important point on that is I will bet you that 10 years from now, hey, write this down, <laughs> law schools will be integrating estate planning and elder law. You will have it in one yes. class. Mm -hmm. 
because the the issues now are such that if I'm just an estate planning lawyer, right, and I come out of law school and I'm doing wills and trusts, but I don't know that I could have helped Sam and Dorothy, who came into my office, um, now that's becoming um, a malpractice issue. Yeah. So uh, lawyers who do estate planning are learning more and more about elder law and vice versa. So can you tell us about Elder Law College and, like, what it is? Like, what do, do they come to Florida? Like, you know, what it, what is it, a program? Yeah. Oh, I, think they, I think they'd love to come to Florida, but they don't always get to do that. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so especially now. But, uh, no, what it is, it's, all, it's mostly virtual. So we do what we call the Elder Law 360 Practice Builder Program, which is like going to law boot camp nice. for three and a half days. Um, it's a very big commitment of, of time, and it's expensive, you know, that people have to pay to attend. And uh, so they're making a commitment to change uh, their, their career. And it's hard for young people to change. It's harder for older people to change. It is. I don't know why, but it just is. So they're making this commitment, and a lot of it is psychological and the teaching. You know, you can do this, you can do this, and, and, and why? And for three and a half days, they learn a new practice area that they hadn't been exposed to before, how to help Sam and Dorothy. Maybe they were criminal law attorneys before, or maybe they were, we have a lot of family law attorneys yeah. um, that, that uh, are unhappy. Um, we have a lot of commercial litigation lawyers that, that are unhappy. And so they go into uh, elder law, and they, they come to us. They learn for three and a half days. Um, it's a whole curriculum that's built each, each section upon each other, very purposeful curriculum. And uh, they get pre-programmed materials. There's also a lot of breakout sessions so that the students are getting to know each other and we limit each program to only 25 students. So it's a very small group nice. that gets to know each other. And there's that camaraderie that yeah. we talked about mm-hmm. for your group. And yeah. that's so important among lawyers to have that collegiality. That's what we call the college. And uh, then we have ongoing support. We have a member portal where we have hundreds of hours of video on different topics that would be important to the lawyer. Uh, we have uh, a lot of PowerPoints, articles, and forms. That's a thing that uh, transactional lawyers really need uh, to be able to have a form to work from, then make it their own by mm-hmm. understanding every bit of it. Uh, but that's a, an important part of Elder Law College as well. And then we have an ongoing listserv, a private listserv, where everybody shares their stories about the case that just came in this morning and I don't know what to do. Here's what I think I need to do. Nice. But guys, I need some help. Because uh, when you're a solo practitioner yeah. or you're in a small group, and most elder law attorneys are solo practitioners or small law firms, it's nice to go to that attorney down the hall. And so this is that virtual attorney down the hall uh, to be able to go to. So yeah. it's, a, it's a wonderful group of really wonderful lawyers. Yeah, that's super exciting. I mean, community and collaboration is so important in the law. And you're right. You know, when you're a solo practitioner or there's only a few of lawyers in the office and you all practice different areas, you know, having that ability to chat with someone and be like, I just this case came in. What do I do? I mean, that's so valuable. So that's really exciting. I love to hear the program. Do you ever have... Um, 
excuse me, you said that it was a national program and then it was like ranked nationally. How many lawyers have you graduated from your program? Hundreds. And uh, from uh, we, we have, I think it's 38 different states uh, represented in our membership. Wow. Uh, including Hawaii. Uh, and so, and, and by the way, we do in-person also, but for our second level, so that mm-hmm. when attorneys want to get together and uh, they're, they're clamoring, really, to meet each other in person because they only have this virtual relationship. So we do a second program, and that is in Florida, in Boca Raton, oh. but we haven't been able to do it. Because uh, of the we pandemic. Did one right before the pandemic, happened right before. Well, I bet so, the one right after the pandemic, when it's will be all huge. Will be like a big... It would be a couple years worth of people wanting to meet each other, I'm sure. So that's awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Awesome. I want to um, make one announcement Mm -hmm. uh, that I think will be relevant to you. When we started uh, eight years ago, we offered uh, two scholarships to law students because the program is primarily for lawyers who are already lawyers. Yeah. Uh, But we wanted to be able to do that because there's no reason why a law student couldn't come out and learn elder law right from the Mm get-go. But they often can't afford what we do. The class, Mm -hmm. yeah. Uh, Yeah. So the the class is $2,250 to sign up for, and the lawyers that sign up have to commit for a year of membership at $195 a month. So it's it's not a huge, huge, huge amount of money for lawyers, but it's a big commitment. And for, for a law student, a big, big, big commitment, right, usually. So uh, I, I will say that we will offer one scholarship uh, this year, and you're the first place that we're making this announcement. Perfect. So if you'd like to let your people know about that, yes. um, I will have Nathan, who I think you've spoken to, get you the information. Absolutely. Yes. We oh love my gosh. That. We people are gonna be pumped yeah. to try to get that scholarship. Absolutely. We're gonna have to do a little giveaway or, you know, get some drive some attention towards that because I know so many times people listen to our episodes and they learn about this new avenue of law and they're like, Haley, Samantha, but how do I tap into that? How do I move forward? And it's so true, you know, while you know, being out and practicing and everything, but how great would it be to have law students come out and know elder law and be ready to go? You know, especially if people who are listening are family lawyers going to a family law firm or even an estate planning they firm. Can bring I think that's like the firm. Yeah, how could you not want to do that for your firm? Yeah. And it's just such a marketable asset for yourself. So, thank you so much for sharing yes. that with us. I know I'm excited. Oh, I'm going to try and get yeah. on on that, too. <laughs> hey, all right. That's great. That's good. good. Yeah. yeah. Awesome, yeah. Scott. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Can you tell everybody where they can find you if they want to chat with you more after this? Yeah. Well, elderlawcollege.com is, is a great way to learn more about elder law, more about elder law college. Um, it's, um, again, really made primarily for lawyers, um, but for law students who are looking at jumping into the field, it is totally appropriate. We just haven't reached out to the law school community in, in a way that we might do in the future. Yeah. Um, so uh, that's one way to learn and uh, one way to reach us. Uh, Nathan Estrada is our community outreach person and uh, you know wears many hats, uh, but he's a person that you can reach out to. And for those law students who really just have a question, want to learn and understand more about elder law, um, you're welcome to email me, um, and that's s 
Solkoff, my first initial, Scott Solkoff, S-S-O-L-K-O-F-F, at Solkoff.com. That's my email address. My law firm's website is Solkoff.com if you want to see what an elder law law firm looks like. Yeah. Awesome. Thank so you so I, much. I you all have a wonderful time doing your group. It sounds like a wonderful group. And, uh, and to uh, those that are watching, I hope you'll consider elder law as a field. It's a wonderful field to be in. Yes. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, guys, this is a once in a lifetime chance for a law student to learn from Sokolf and all the other teachers over there at Elder Law College. If you're interested in learning more about Elder Law and potentially partaking in this scholarship opportunity that he is so kind to offer for us, please email us and we will get you connected. And depending on how many of you guys are interested, we'll have a draw type situation, uh, randomly choose one of you guys to get that scholarship. But it's such a good opportunity. And like you said, you know, this is an, an area of law that many practitioners find later in their career and come to uh, when they're in a place where they need to just feel like they're doing good again. So uh, this is just an opportunity as a law student to go ahead, understand that, and potentially add it into your practice area. And talking about giveaways, if you're listening to this the week that it comes out, we have a giveaway going on our Instagram. So go, um, you know, do the things that it <laughs> asks you to do. And then on Friday, we'll announce three winners. So that's really exciting. And yep. yeah. If, That'll be this Friday. Yes, this Friday, the 22nd, 22nd, 21st. One of those. Yeah, one of those. I mean, you guys are smart. You guys know the day. 21st. The 21st. See, we fact-checked it for you. <laughs> and guys, you know, if we sounded a little musty on the recording... <laughs> It's a because your girl, <clears throat> I didn't get COVID. Thank God. I thought I, I really thought I did have it. I was like, where would I have gotten it from? There's like literally two situations at a restaurant mm-hmm. and or a meeting. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was like freaking out. I had all the symptoms, got tested negative. Both so rapid test and PCR? Yes. My rapid test though, I guess this is a little PSA guys. So apparently Omicron on the rapid test, it can give you like false negatives and they're hard to detect. And they're hard to detect. Um, so mine had like a thin little line where it would be like positive. So they were like, you know what? You need a PCR. We can't really rule you out. You need a quarantine. Mm-hmm. Um, got the PCR. That was negative. But that took like four days to get back, I guess. You know, there's a lot of people getting tested right now. And there's I no mean, guessing about yeah. it, there are definitely a lot of people getting yeah, tested. Yeah. I mean, I think today I saw on the news it was like 24,000 this weekend. Yeah. Um, just in Oklahoma. So, in Oklahoma, small guys. So, yeah. you know, this is just a little PSA wear your mask, um, take, care of yourself. take care of yourself, drink water, you know, don't do anything stupid. And we just want to go back to school in person. And, um, yeah. Also, the cold's going around. So that's the thing. I if you're feeling sick, get tested because then like, you can know if you have COVID or not. And you can feel more comfortable being around people and potentially you know, who you're around and so on and so forth. So yes, she definitely had a cold. Um, so did both of our boyfriends. I somehow survived. I think I got like a little bit of a sniffles. It was also just crazy temperatures and with the weather and winter storm and everything going around right now, uh, you just got to be really careful. And we just want to remind you that. And if no one's told you it, we're telling you now. (laughs) 
Yes. We're just, you know, like your mom here to remind you. Yes. Your aunties. (laughs) Wear your mask. Yes. Yes. On that note, guys. We will talk to you next time. Check out our new merch. Enter the giveaway. Yep. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.